Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Yes, it's my birthday. Uh, don't worry if you've forgotten to bring me a gift or wish me happy birthday. Listening to this podcast is good enough for me, so thank you. Hello, it's your favorite host, Kane Wilkinson, and I know in no particular order is where you come every week to hear about some great new album releases, but for this week, I wanted to do things a little differently. We're going to make things a little more personal around here. Don't worry, I'm going to refrain from sharing your darkest secrets, everyone that's listening. Consider this a warning. No, I, I mean I'm, I'll be sharing the history of my taste of music and how it's sort of evolved and how my musical paradigm has expanded. I still intend on you discovering some new music that you might enjoy, while also providing a little bit of background. And just like how someone treats their server, a person's taste in music can say a lot about them. And when you first meet someone, I know one of the first questions that everyone asks is, you know, what type of music are you into? And how many times has someone answered, I like everything? I know, right? Come on, be more specific. Although, granted, I've, I've done that before. Um, and now I guess it's my chance to redeem myself and give you a more thorough look into your favorite music blogger's mind of his musical preferences. Plus, um, I personally just find it interesting when someone shares how, you know, they were super into emo punk when they were kids and now they're into some weird hip hop or something, you know? And if you share that sort of interest, now's your chance to enjoy that. And before we start the episode, I just want to remind you all to follow Dusty Organ online on Twitter and Instagram at Dusty Organ and IMPO with the handle at IMPO Podcast. Pretty straightforward. And now sit back and enjoy the story of Kane's musical upbringing. It's still a working title. Now, if you can, picture me as a child. I was a cute kid, to give you a head start, if I do say so myself. And I had just started taking piano lessons around the age of five or six. Call me Amadeus, whatever. Anyways, I was crazy into playing piano, and every time I walked by the piano at home, I had to sit down and play. Alongside my fascination with playing the piano, of course, I wanted to listen to all the greatest hits. Most notably, though, I was a very loyal and avid Beethoven fan. But some of my earliest music memories I have are uh, rocking out in the living room with my sister in her socks, uh, some John Mellencamp, and dancing around to Tom Jones. So from early on, I knew I was going to like the stuff that got your heart rate up and made you want to move around like an idiot. Even with the classical music, I always leaned towards playing and listening to fast and gigantic pieces that elicited a big bodily reaction, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word. Hence why, as you'll discover soon, I became very fond of punk and hardcore music as a teenager, but more on that later. I also remember as a kid being very into pop music, I'm talking like S Club 7, 98 Degrees, of course NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Nostalgia break! I was a huge Backstreet Boy fan as a kid. I even remember getting to a small scrap with a friend when I was about 10 or 11 because of it. But you know what? I'm standing up for what I believe in. And although I think Black and Blue was the last Backstreet Boy album I listened to, which came out in 2000, I was still very excited about it in 2004. So I was a little blind. But hey, we all have our guilty pleasures with pop music. That's why it's pop music. And there's a good chance that some of you went through a bit of an edgy 
phase at some point in your life. I never, you know, was never really acting out or anything. So my edgy phase-ness, I guess, came out through my music. I never really fit the punk or metalhead type. I was a so-called gifted student, like a nerd kind of thing. I studied classical piano. I wore long sleeve shirts with a t-shirt over top. I also wore hats on top of hats. Um, now that I think of it, I kind of like to layer things, I guess. I don't know. I was weird, super dorky, not intimidating by any means or rebellious at all. I hated getting into trouble, actually, which is not very punk. And speaking of you know heavier stuff, one question I always like to ask people when I'm getting to know them, too, is what was the first CD you bought with your own money? Right? Do you remember yours? It took me a while to remember back to when I first bought. Um, I think, now I think about it, I think it was Apocalyptica's Worlds Collide. Slipknot's All Hope is Gone was a second one, I think. And as you can imagine, those, you know, kickstarted my streak of buying lots of, we'll say, hardcore music. Protest the Heroes Fortress followed, Alexis on Fire's Old Crow's Young Cardinals, and a slew of Cancer Bat albums began to fill up my CD collection. Not to mention Death Magnetic from Metallica, and that artwork I still remember is a wicked 3D paper-layered casing that just got darker and darker as you opened it. It was very cool to hold. I was all over the map with the hardcore music. I could rock out to Fall Out Boys from Under the Cork Tree and switch over to Job for a Cowboy or Lamb of God or something, and not to mention Bring Me the Horizon, which I was a very big fan of as well. And But at the end of the day, I'd almost find myself back at Beethoven or Mozart or listening to something softer like classical music. And uh, speaking of Fall Out Boy from Under the Cork Tree is probably one of my all-time favorite albums. I remember I got it as a birthday gift when I was 12 or 13, and over a decade later, I still love it. Brothers and sisters, put this record down. Take my advice, cause we are bad news. We will leave you high and dry. Okay, now, just a heads up. This next part may cause you to reminisce about some of your past lovers, if you have any. Um, And if there's anything concrete about music, it's that it brings people together in more ways than one. You know, love is at the heart and center of a lot of music. There's millions of love songs, first dances at weddings, couples and their song. It's inevitable. Music will remind you of somebody, your first love, your next love, and your ex-love. Write that down. It's good. Admittedly, I have made a few mixed CDs for different special women in my life. I've kind of realized now, thinking over this, it's like a weird mating ritual thing where I kind of expose my favorite music and see if she likes it, like some weird bird from the Amazon that dances and sings his heart out, hoping she feels the same. And hey, you know, the most important relationships I've had have been indirectly based on music, so maybe I'm onto something, you know? For me, my earliest connection of music and love happened in high school with, uh, you know, my high school sweetheart. I met her at a friend's birthday party sort of thing, And I remember we slow danced to You and I by Lighthouse. You know, pretty cute, I know. Uh, There's more. Welcome to my softer side. Things are going to get a little more cashmere around here. Um, Because your boy here was very keen on making mixed CDs, as I said. I'm talking handwritten track lists, cover art, and depending on the occasion, sometimes liner notes about what the song represented. Please, ladies, keep your clothes on. Anyway, there are handfuls of songs that remind me of her specifically. And one particular song takes the cake. 
And if she's listening for whatever reason, I'm sure you'll remember your favorite song back in high school was Papa Was a Rodeo by the Magnetic Fields. I'd never heard the song or the band for that matter before. And uh, I, she put it on one of the mix CDs she gave me, I think it was for Valentine's Day. And I fell in love with the song too. And if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, it's a slow-burning, Coors light-drinking, indie country folk ballad. It sounds like Johnny Cash, but hits a little deeper. So take a listen. Papa was a rodeo, Mama was a rock and roll band. I could play guitar and rope a steer before I learned to stand. Home was anywhere with diesel gas, love was a trucker's hand. Never stuck around long enough for a one-night stand. Unfortunately, that same girl introduced me to a band that has since been on repeat over the years, The Wombats. The British indie dance pop group first made their way onto a mix CD with the song Let's Dance to Joy Division, and almost seven or eight years later now, The Wombats are a regular rotation on my iPod. I can also say that they are one of the best live bands I've seen too. Their anti-love disco pop music is filled with insecurities, it's very relatable, and they've never disappointed, unlike ex-girlfriends. And more recently, in terms of relationships, uh, two entire discographies have a very special connection to my love life. Vancouver indie folk pop band Said the Whale. And from the other coast, Charlottetown's indie folk group Paper Lines. One of the first moments we bonded over uh, was our love for Said the Whale's Camila the Magician. And at the time, I remember it was just getting a little bit of radio play, so none of my friends were very big fans of them yet. And she loaned me a few of their earlier albums, and so in return, I showed her the paper lines, kind of like a little bit of, I'll show you mine if you show me yours kind of thing. And uh, you better believe that at least one song from each band has consistently made it onto a mix CD over the course of our relationship especially Seasons by Said the Whale and My Friend seem to be the top choices. Anyway, enough mushy-gushy stuff. Uh, The dreaded question, what's your favorite band? No one has a clear, consistent answer. And if you do, stop lying to yourself. And honestly, you shouldn't have one. Pinpointing one band that you can love It's kind of like choosing your favorite meal on a Friday. It's going to change depending on their mood, how the day went, and your tastes. So for me, you know, bands like Linkin Park, Bare Naked Ladies, Coldplay, John Legend, and of course Backstreet Boys, they've all spent time at the top of my charts at some point in my life. But the real question is, do you remember how you first fell in love with them? For me, Linkin Park was first shown to me during their hybrid theory days. I, I want to say I was about six or seven. My family, we were living in Germany at the time, and there was another Canadian boy on the street that I played with a lot, but he was a few years older. Um, And come to think of it, I'm kind of surprised we even played together. I think he was about 12 or 13 at that point. Regardless, he had gotten the CD for Christmas or something, 
and insisted on listening to it. And I remember enjoying the song Paper Cut, which is still to this day one of my favorite songs, especially by Lincoln Park, R.I.P. Chester. And of course, this was also at the same time that I was really big in Backstreet Boys. So I was starting to expand my horizon to some heavier, heavier music at that age too. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of the music I enjoyed listening to growing up overlapped with playing the piano, and Coldplay is one of those bands especially. I've bought a number of their sheet music uh, for different songs over the years, like Clocks, Shiver, um, and the entire Viva La Vida album. That album, Viva La Vida or Death and All's Friends, is hands down my favorite Coldplay album, and it's probably my top 10 favorite albums ever. It had the band at their best, and it just felt like their most creative and thought out work, like their soul was actually seen in the folds of the album. I should clarify, yes, Coldplay is one of my favorite bands. However, their more recent albums don't count. Milo's Ilato was the first hint of them losing themselves and their sound, and everything past that I've just kind of ignored and denied as their own. Just saying. Um, also, John Legend's Get Lifted from 2004 featured the song Ordinary People, which is one of my favorite songs, especially to play on the piano. It's beautiful. Another band that found their way into my top picks from playing along is The Fall of Troy. They're a Seattle metalcore band, and features one of my favorite modern guitarists and if you're like hey Kane you don't play the guitar you would be correct I don't but I am a master on Guitar Hero and in Guitar Hero 3 there's a bonus song called FCPREMIX which obviously caught my eye and I later found out it's a higher tempo version of the band's original song FCPSITSGEPGEP don't ask me but it does stand for Fuck condoms, premarital sex is the shit, get them pregnant, get them pregnant. A few of their song names are pretty whack, that one included. Anyway, FCP Remix was the gateway drug to the rest of their fast-firing, godlike musicianship. And unless you have heart problems, are pregnant, or have a weak neck, check these guys out. Especially their earlier stuff, including their five-part concept album, Phantom on the Horizon, it is absolutely wonderful. And like I said, their lead guitarist and also lead singer, Thomas Iraq is such an underrated musician. If you can, watch his live performances. His fingers are moving above the legal speed limit while unleashing these gnarly screams and howls all at the same time and coordinating his collection of effects, pedals, and loops. It's wicked to see.
and keeping with the theme of bands that I love to play as a musician myself. Do you remember the band in high school that, you know, went to your school that everyone loved and supported? You know, they probably went off to Toronto after graduation to record an album or tour or whatever. Well, the band I played in during my teenage years was not that band. Not even close. It was a lot of fun, I admit, but man, we were bad. But hey, we had t-shirts. Anyways, I uh, picked up the drums in high school and two of my friends and I started jamming together. We wrote what was called Drunk Rock. And basically, it's stuff about drinking but it was also so bad that it sounded like we were drunk. And the funniest part is I never drank in high school. One thing that we had in common, though, as far as music tastes, was that we all three of us, all three of us loved Blink-182. And their debauchery and stupidly catchy music was a big inspiration for us. I remember we listened to their music every practice, on the way to every gig. Uh, we even covered a few of their songs, like What's My Age Again and Rock Show, to fill out our set list. And although there are way more talented musicians out there, there's something about Blink I just can't hate. And their live show album from San Francisco, The Mark, Tom, and Travis Show, is still one of the best live albums I've ever heard. It's absolutely hilarious, and Travis's drumming is even more dumbfounding live, if you can believe it. I took a route. It was a Friday night. I woke alone. We started making out And she took off her pants But then I turned on the TV And that's about the time she walked away from me Nobody likes you when you're 23 And I'm still more of these TV shows What the fuck is it? Do my friends say I should act And as a drummer, I do have a few bands that are my inspirations My go-tos And punk is definitely my favorite genre to play So obviously Blink is one of those inspirations but more specifically, Streetlight Manifesto, their third-wave punk ska band from New Jersey, are on that list too. They're fast, articulate, and the drumming is actually very melodic for a percussion instrument. And plus, I just love the genre of ska. It's awesome. Screw more cowbell, we need more horns. I can't quite pinpoint when and where I first heard Streetlight. Um, perhaps I was exploring the genre of ska after hearing the Mighty Mighty Boss and f- stumbled upon them. I don't know. But all I do know is I'm never getting bored of them. Their music is so addictive and engaging. I remember their hit single, Would You Be Impressed, from their 2007 album, Somewhere in the Between, was the first song I heard, and I went on to buy the entire album and downloaded all the rest of their discography, and that album, Somewhere in the Between, is in my top 10 favorite albums as well. Every single track on it just brings up your heart rate and makes you just lose yourself in the horns and wicked melodies and energy. The first time I saw them live, I remember I went with a few friends to see them in Montreal a couple years ago at the Metropolis. Wonderful venue. Um, And I've been in a lot of mosh pits before. I love to be a part of that crowd. It's a good time. But, oh, man, I have never had so much fun and been in such a rough mosh pit as Streetlight Manifesto's crowd. I went in with a shirt and a pair of shoes, came out with a soaked torso and one shoe and one flip-flop. And what I mean by that was one of my shoes was split down from the rubber sole, and I was just flopping the toe all night. The shitty hotel I was staying at didn't even have duct tape to fix it, so I was flopping like a duck all all night and the rest of the day until we came back to Ottawa. But it was totally worth it. Would you be upset if I told you we were dying? And every cure they gave us was a lie. Oh, they made it when they say we're dead and doomed. And every single symptom brings us closer to the tomb. And who will take the credit for I could go on and on about each individual band I'm fond of. Just to name a few I missed, The Cat Empire, 
Holy Fuck, Foxy Shazam, The Arkells. It's endless. What I propose is I'm going to make a playlist at some point on YouTube and or Spotify, probably both, featuring songs from all the bands I talked about today and a few I missed that I do want to share with you. And I do hope you enjoy the special episode. I certainly had a lot of fun talking about myself and, more importantly, the music I love. You know, it's always healthy to scroll through your old iTunes and pull out the dusty box of CDs from your closet and just listen to the oldies. And some bands, just like old friends, you kind of stop following, you know, you forget about them over time. So it's nice to just reconnect after all these years and think, oh yeah, that's right, that's why we spent so much time together. It's kind of like looking back in old yearbooks just without having to worry about acne and terrible fashion choices. And if you've made it this far, once again, thank you for listening. Feel free to list or share some of your favorite bands or songs that mean a lot to you. I would love to know more about you. As well, if you'd like me to do something like this again for an episode, uh, feel free to message me or suggest something, maybe something a bit more structured. I feel like I kind of went off a little tangents there. But don't forget to follow IMPO online at IMPO Podcast and Dusty Organ 2 at Dusty Organ. I know because of this episode, I've missed a few new releases this week, so I would recommend the new Julian Casablanca and the Voids album, Virtue, Jukebox of Ghosts, Off to the Races, and Ben Harper and Charlie Musselwhite's collaboration LP, No Mercy in This Land. Three great albums from this week. Um, And as you know, I'm terrible with goodbyes, so goodbye. No Particular Order was produced and created by Kane Wilkinson. It was written by Kane Wilkinson. Editing was done by an 8th grader. No Particular Order is a Dusty Orchid production. It was recorded in front of an untouched birthday cake.